0: welcome back to zion's redemption radio network today we're going to be covering chapter 24 of eternal lives diversity among men and spirits joseph smith stated actually yep this was joseph smith notwithstanding this congregation professed to be saints yet I stand in the midst of all kinds of characters and classes of men. If you wish to go where God is, you must be like God, or possess the principles which God possesses. For if we are not drawing towards God in principle, we are going from him and drawing towards the devil. Yes, I am standing in the midst of all kinds of people. History of the Church, Volume Four, Page Five Hundred and Eighty Eight. All the minds of minds and spirits that God ever sent into the world are susceptible of enlargement. The first principles of man are self-existent with God. God Himself, finding He was in the midst of the spirits in glory because he was more intelligent, saw proper to institute laws whereby the rest could have a privilege to advance like himself. The relationship we have with God places us in a situation to advance in knowledge. He has power to institute laws, to instruct the weaker intelligences that he "...that they may be exalted with himself, so that they might have one glory upon another, and all knowledge, power, glory, and intelligence, which is requisite in order to save them in the world of spirits. This is good doctrine. It tastes good. I can taste the principles of eternal life, and so can you." They are given to me by the revelations of Jesus Christ. And I know that when I tell you these words of eternal life, as they are given to me, you taste them. And I know that you believe them. You say, honey is sweet, and so do I. I I can also taste the spirit of eternal life. I know that it is good, and when I tell you of these things which were given me by in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, you are bound to receive them as sweet and rejoice more and more. History of the Church, Volume 6, page 311 and 312. Um, that reminds me of a story, uh, well, wow, an experience, really So, and I've told this many times in past podcasts, but I'll tell it again. So there was uh, many years that I believed that God existed. I knew that he existed, but I was taught the Big Bang Theory in elementary, middle school, and high school. and I believed it, so I would ask God where were you before the Big Bang? Were you just in the void of nothingness? Like, did you exist for all of these eternities and eons and you just decided to speak forth things into existence? Like, how does this all work? And like, this was something that I would try to mentally ma- wrap my brain around. Like, just, I would ponder on it for hours. And I just kept asking God these questions. And one day, how oh, I'd say it was probably over 20 years ago, maybe, yeah, about 20, 21 years ago, it's too. 2023 now so this would be somewhere between 2000 and 2003 um i was taken up in the spirit and i was taken up by the father and he told me to look and i looked and i saw this vast cloud of light in space we were we were in the spirit Or I was in the spirit. He was next to me. We were in space. And I saw this great cloud of light. And we came down into the cloud and I saw orbs of light. And he said, look. And I looked at one particular orb of light and there was a flash. And the one orb became two. And he explained to me that this was the intelligence and that this was the first intelligence the one who we know as God the eternal father and God the eternal mother and he explained to me that when when an intelligence becomes self-aware it it separate the masculine and the feminine separate and they become a male and a female spirit and i just witnessed the birth of god the eternal father and god the eternal mother and he explained to me that over the aeons of time that they um that the father and the mother helped others to become self-aware and they learned the laws of the universe and he explained to me that the elements are eternal and the intelligence from whence we come is eternal and the energy is eternal and the laws of the universe are eternal. And that the, these intelligences that became spirit, they learned how to control and manipulate the elements and work with the laws of the universe. And that they were an advanced civilization that this has been going on for a very, very long time. And they understand how to make things work so that that there is eternal life, so that they know how to manipulate matter so that, that they can create these bodies for us to live in. Like these bodies that we live in, every single one of you right now that is alive, has a body but the body that you have is not who you are the body that you have is a vessel for your spirit to come into a physical world and to use your physical body to do things in the physical world you need the body in order to do those things this is like a ship like like a vessel a suit like if i were to get in an excavator or a front-end loader to do certain things that's what this body is it is a it's a vessel for your spirit to use to to be able to work within a, a physical world and over the process of time god and the Elohim God the eternal father and the Elohim and the mother and the mothers they figured out how to to design these bodies and design all that that we do to help us to progress and gain knowledge and understanding that we might attain unto a higher resurrection, that we might learn to become like they are. So when Joseph Smith talks about these things, I know that he is 100% correct. That he was taught the same principles that I was taught later on. And we don't have the exact description of how Joseph Smith was taught, the things that he was taught, but I suspect that it was much like how I was taught. He had a question. He asked over and over. He tried to wrap his mind around it. And eventually God gave him the answer as he gave me the answer continuing on so in the other worlds there are a variety of spirits history of church of the church volume 5 page 5 uh, 388 by the way i'm not doing a video this time because when i do the podcast i can pause pause it and and like resume it i have been sick for 2 weeks i've had this head chest cold And I was sick all my last time off. I did a tour of duty of four days at my job. I'm an oil field worker. And then I've been off for three days this time, and I've been sick. And um, with the videos, I can't really pause them very well. And I'm just, I don't feel good. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to make some podcasts um i won't do the videos uh just because it's easier for me not to uh or to be able to pause when i'm coughing my lungs out i did take a covid test i don't have covid i'm just sick i might have pneumonia or bronchitis i don't know anyway um i know that that uh, some people that I'm friends with have had uh, had walking pneumonia uh, around the time that I got sick as well, so I might go to the doctor. Anyway, um, so the next person that we're going to be talking about um, and quoting from is Brigham Young. Now, I believe that Joseph Smith taught Brigham Young all that he knows. I don't know if Brigham Young ever received his own... Information. Um, I do believe that Brigham Young was the leader of a cursed and rejected church, and I'm referring to Doctrine and Covenants section 124, where Jesus tells them that if they don't build that temple in Nauvoo, that they would be rejected as a church with their dead. Um, Brigham Young stated that he had been given the fullness of the priesthood, in the red brick store by Joseph Smith. But the problem with that is that Jesus Christ said that in Doctrine and Covenants 124, 27, and 28, build a temple whereby the Father or the Most High can come to other that he might restore that which was lost unto you or that which was taken away even the fullness of the priesthood. Now, Brigham Young had the Melchizedek Priesthood but he was never given the fullness because by the time joseph smith was murdered on uh, june 27th 1844 they were just starting to work on the second story of the temple and the father never came to that temple neither neither did the son the shekinah glory of god did not fall upon that temple and the fullness of the priesthood was never restored in that place by the most high himself so when Brigham Young states that he was given the fullness of the priesthood, I call him out as deceptive. And I believe the words that Jesus Christ said, if, if um, you do not do what I say, instead of blessings, you'll receive cursings, wrath, indignation, um, and that you will be rejected as a church with your dead. So I do not accept Brigham Young as the Lord's anointed or any of the leaders after Brigham Young. But I do have uh, a level of respect for them. And you know what? Even though I don't accept them as the Lord's anointed, um, I do believe that God is no respecter of persons and that he will teach his people by His Spirit, and that they can receive revelation for themselves, but that doesn't mean that I accept them as the anointed of God. The only anointed that I accept before myself is Joseph Smith. And the only reason I say before myself is because I knelt before the Father in 2003. And received the fullness of the priesthood and was an anointed, it became an anointed one of God as his witness. So here's Brigham Young. In this probation, we have evil to contend with, and we must overcome it in ourselves, or we never shall overcome it anywhere else. Were you to let your mind stretch out, you would learn that the whole kingdom, with its principles, powers, authority, glory, and everything pertaining to it, is combined in the organization of man, ready to be developed. We must commence and school ourselves, and and so bring our reflections into subjection, that we can make our minds one in faith. Journal of Discourses Volume 6 Page 99 Continuing on with Brigham Young, intelligent beings are organized to become gods even the sons of God, to dwell in the presence of the gods So the word he should be using here is the Elohim, the Exalted One There is only one Eternal, well one in that that the man and the woman, when they are sealed together, are one, God the eternal mother and the eternal Father. there's only one eternal mother and one eternal father, but all under them are called the Elohim. In Hebrew, the Jews call them mighty ones. Now, Elohim can be referred to as, in the scriptures especially in the old testament as uh, certain judges in the old testament prophets in the old testament uh there's deities that are called elohim in the old testament it means mighty ones it is a derivative or a um it uh elohim means the plurality of l and l is the name of Of what we would call God in our modern vernacular. So intelligent beings are organized to become Elohim or the Mighty Ones or the Exalted Ones. Even the sons, and I would say the daughters of the Elohim or the Eternal, to dwell in the presence of the Elohim or gods and become associated with the highest intelligences that dwell in the eternity we are now in the school and must practice upon what we receive Journal of Discourses Volume 8 page 160 and you know what Brigham Young whether he learned this from God or whether he learned this from Joseph Smith it doesn't matter because the principles are true They are absolutely true. Anyway, that was Journal of Discourses, volume 8, page 160. Look for an instance at Adam. Listen, ye Latter-day Saints, supposing that Adam was formed actually out of clay, out of the same kind of material from, from which bricks are formed, that this is the matter God made, the pattern of man, and breathed into it the breath of life and left it there in that state of supposed perfection. He would have been an adobe to this day or a brick to this day. He would not not have known anything. Some of you may doubt the truth of what I would now say and argue that the Lord could teach him. This is a mistake. The Lord could not have taught him in any other way than in the way in which he did teach him you believe adam was made of the dust of this earth i do not believe this i do not believe though it is supposed that he is so written that is so written in the bible but it is not to my understanding you can write that information to the states if you please that i have publicly declared that i do not believe that portion of the bible as the christians would do i never did i never want to what is the reason i do not because i have come to the understanding and banished from my mind all of the baby stories of my that the, my mother taught me when i was a child but suppose adam was made and fashioned the same as we make adobes if he had never drunk of the bitter cup, the Lord might have talked to him in this day, and he would have continued as he was to all eternity, never advancing one particle in the school of intelligence. This idea opens opens up a field of light to the intelligent mind. Journal of Discourses, Volume 2, page, two, uh, page 6. Sorry. Volume 2, page 6. See, in order to understand the truth, you have to understand the intelligence. You have to understand where we come from, and you have to understand the progression of the gods. If you don't understand these things, you will never understand where Adam truly came from. And Moses was given um, the information that he was given to give to the Israelites because they could not understand those things at their level of understanding. So they were given a, a fable, basically, so that they could have some kind of understanding as to where adam came from but adam and his wife eve who were michael and ashura came into this world with celestial bodies they were already exalted individuals and they descended from the point of an exalted state by partaking of the fruit of this world until their corporeal bodies were able to have telestial children. And at the point of the end of their time on this planet, they were raised up by God, our Father, or Yehovah, our Elohim. From a state of telestial to a state of terrestrial. And they were translated. And they were taken up off this planet to the place where Enoch and Salem were. And how do I know this? I don't know this because I was shown this in a book. I know this because I was shown this in a vision. And that that our mother and father were translated beings, and they remained translated beings all the way up until uh, Yeshua, or Jesus Christ, stood upon this planet, and he paid for the fall of Adam and Eve, or Michael and Ashura, which was the way the design was meant to be. This was how things were supposed to be, according to the design and to the will of the Elohim. They've done this over and over and over again in the eternities. When Yeshua, or Jesus Christ, paid for our sins and transgressions upon the cross, actually in the Garden of Gethsemane, and sealed it upon himself on the cross, and three days later broke the bands of death, The first person he goes to is his wife, Mary, and he sees her and comforts her, but he says, hold me not, for I have not yet ascended to my father. Now, who is he talking about? My father and your father. Hold me not, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go unto my brethren and tell them, I ascended to my father, And to your father, who is that? My father and your father is Father Adam. And my Elohim and your Elohim, that's Jehovah. Now, I know that there is a false doctrine in the Mormon church taught today, which was not taught until the beginning of the 1880s. Shortly after the time of the death of President Brigham Young, during the administration of John Taylor, there began to be this notion that Jesus Christ and Jehovah were the same person. Now, as I've talked about in the past, in Ether chapter 3, the spirit of Jesus Christ appears to Mohanrei Moriankmer, the brother of Jared, And the spirit of Jesus Christ says, Never have I appeared unto unto man before this point. Now this is happening around the time of the Tower of Babel. So Jesus Christ here in Ether chapter 3 is saying, I've never appeared to man before this point. But Jehovah, or Jehovah our Elohim, he has appeared to people before this point, before the flood, in the garden, he walked with Enoch. When people say that Jesus and Jehovah are the same person, they this clearly contradicts that. And furthermore, if you go to Moses chapter 1, verse 6, Jehovah is speaking to Moses, and Jehovah tells Moses that he is in the very similitude of his only begotten son. Jehovah tells Moses that Moses is in the very similitude of his, Jehovah's, only begotten son. Now, if Jesus and Jehovah are the same person, how can Moses be in the similitude of Jehovah's only begotten son? Seeing how Jesus is the only begotten son. Okay. Okay. So, I've done a longer show on this in the past. Um, It's a, a chapter in the book Mysteries of Christ. Or, no, it's Mysteries of Creation, and the chapter is the chapter on Jehovah. In fact, I should probably go back over that book and read it sometime in the future. It's my favorite book. There's a lot of truths in that book that go along with the things that God has shown me. Um, but you can read that book for free at Ogdenkraut.com. That's O-G-D-E-N-K-R-A-U-T.com. com. Uh, if you want to read it for yourself before I go over it. Or you can go back in the archives. Um, of this podcast and find it. Although, if you're on iTunes, you can only go back like a hundred podcasts, I think. And uh, we're in the 600s now. So, who can define the divinity of man? Only those who understand the true principles of eternity, the principles that pertain to life and salvation. Man, by being exalted does not lose the power and ability naturally given to him but on the contrary by taking the road that leads to life he gains more power more influence and ability during every step he progresses therein mankind have power given to them to propagate their species. An exaltation to the celestial kingdom of God by no means lessens that power. On these points, the children of men are shrouded in mystery and uncertainty. As Brigham Young, Journal of Discourses, Volume 7, page 274. If man could have been made perfect in his double capacity of body and spirit without passing through the ordeals of mortality, there would have have been no necessity of our coming into this state of trial and suffering. Could the Lord have glorified his children in spirit without a body like his own He, no doubt, would have done so. We read that there is nothing impossible with God. In a broad sense, there is not. But in another sense, there are things He never attempted and never will. He will not exalt a spirit to thrones, to immortality and eternal lives, unless that spirit is first clothed in mortal flesh And with it passes through a mortal probation and overcomes the world of flesh and the devil and the devil through the atonement made by Jesus Christ and the power of the gospel. I would say (sighs) Jesus is not the first savior and he is not the only savior. What do I mean by that? This is not the first world in creation. Jesus' atonement is universal for this earth. It's all-encompassing for this earth. But the worlds that came before had their own saviors. They had their own fathers, they had their own Lucifers, they had their own planets. They had their own prophets. Jesus Christ's atonement does not cover those other worlds in the past. His atonement will not cover those other worlds in the future not in the same way that we look at it. Because of Jesus Christ's atonement, by paying for our sins in the Garden of Gethsemane and selling it upon the cross, we can move on in perfection and move on in these mortal mortalities so that we can gain the experiences that we need in this dark and dreary world in order to progress and to become more like our father in heaven and when there is a new heaven and a new earth created According to what the Father shared with me many years ago, that we will have the opportunity to put off our resurrection and go onto that new earth and gain more experiences and immortality that we might gain a higher resurrection. And Jesus Christ, in that next mortality in that next world that john sees in the book of revelations because he paid for our sins in this world and we become his children and he becomes our father through the law of adoption he will be the father of that world with his wife and he will take upon himself the name of adam and Mary will take upon herself the name of Hava or Eve and they will become the father and the mother of that world. And the one who was chosen to be God, the witness for this world will be a Kadosh and a set apart spirit for that world all the way up until the time when he is born into mortality and he will become the redeemer of that world. This is the progression of the gods. This is partly taught in the temple and I believe that Brigham Young understood these things because he was taught these things by Joseph Smith. The spirit must be clothed as he is, or it can never be glorified with him. He must of necessity subject his children to the same through a strict observance of the ordinances and rules of salvation. Journal of Discourses, Volume 11, page 43. So, the gods or the Elohim, under the direction of Jehovah, well, not Jehovah, under the direction of Adam, Amen, and the Eternal. They have conducted the worlds under the laws and, and rules that they have created to help us to become like they are. And what we are going through now is exactly what we need to go through to gain the type of experiences that we need to become more like our Father and Mother in Heaven. Every life, the, the things that happen in that life, for, for one reason or another, they are, or for many reasons, they are very important to the progression of that soul. The homelessness that I dealt with, the drug addictions I dealt with as a teenager, that was important for me to go through those hard things to help me to learn and grow. The poverty that some go through the fact that some people don't have parents and they live in orphanages or they're in foster care. The trials that we go through in the the dark night of this earth, they are all important for the progression of our souls. And we choose the experiences that we are placed in before we even come to this world so that we can gain the type of experiences that we need for a higher resurrection. Every experience has value, except for the experience of outright rebellion. And the outright rebellion that I'm talking about is where those individuals who rebel so much that they become sons of perdition, those experiences have no value other than for those who have have to deal with these individuals and they may glean uh, certain experiences from them. I don't know. This is my speculation, but I don't believe that that there's any value to those type of uh, individuals who go that far. But even the the souls who are being cast into the fire, the Alma and Amulek saw, like their lives had meaning and their experiences had value. Even the hard ones. And see... God looks on this world and the experiences that we go through with an eternal perspective. But we don't have the advantage of seeing it the way he sees it. We have the disadvantage of seeing it with the finite mind. With the the mind that is limited by, by understanding. And in the pain and the anguish of the suffering that we, that we go through in this life, we might look and say that it's too hard to bear. And you know what? I've done the same thing myself. Personally, I've been persecuted. Uh, I've lost jobs. I've been harassed. There's been death threats against me. It has caused me to want to withdraw and not uh, be around people, not share my witness. But in the eternal scope of things, this is such a, a short time. It wasn't long ago that my son was just a little boy. This year, he'll be 18 years old. From his perspective, I've been around most of his life. That was a long time ago for him, but for me, With the advantage of time, I look upon it as a short time. And the older we get, the shorter time is. The more experiences that we have in time, the faster time goes. Anyway, continuing on. Now understand, all spirits came from God. And they came pure from his presence and were put into earthly tabernacles, which means bodies, into earthly bodies, which were organized for that express purpose. And so the spirit and the body became a living soul. And if these souls should live according to the law of heaven, God ordained that they should become temples prepared to inherit all things. I wish you to understand that all spirits are pure when they are put into these bodies or tabernacles. But we have not time to explain or set before you the reasons of the variation and appearance in the mortal tabernacle. There are causes for it. Our spirits filled the tabernacles or the bodies organized for them. The body is a habitation for the spirit to dwell in. And if the spirit and the body both agree in keeping all the laws and all the commandments that the Lord reveals that unto that tabernacle, it should, it shall never, it never shall be destroyed. How many shall be preserved? So this is Brigham Young and his opinions. Now remember the body combined with the spirit, is a soul. That the body is simply a vessel for the spirit to operate in. It's kind of like a spaceship, except for it's an earth ship. Our spirits cannot interact with the material world so good out of the body as they can with the body. So, all who do not, Do not deny and defy the power and character of the Son of God. All who do not sin against the Holy Ghost. How many shall be preserved? All who do not deny and defy the power and character of the Son of God. All who do not sin against the Holy Ghost. Anyway, that's Journal of Discourses, Volume 6, page 291 and 292. If we seek to build up this kingdom hereafter the Lord will build us up. I don't know that I shall get half through with with what I have with what I want to say today. I wish to come back and look at ourselves in the next place. How many glories and kingdoms will there be in eternity? You we'll see the same variety and eternity as you see in the world. Journal of Discourses, Volume 6, page 293. We understand, we only understand in part, why we are required to pass through these various incidences in life. There is not a single condition of life that is entirely unnecessary. There is not one hour's experience but what is beneficial to all those who make it their study and aim to improve upon the experiences they gain. What becomes a trial to one person is not noticed by another. Among these 2,000 persons I am now addressing, there cannot be found two that are organized alike. Yet, we all belong to the one great human family, have sprung up from one source, and are organized to inherit eternal life. There is, There are no two faces alike, no two persons tempered alike. We have come from different nations of the world and have been raised in different climates, educated and traditioned in different and, in many instances, in opposite directions. Hence, we are t- tried with each other, and large drafts are made upon our patience, forbearance, charity, and goodwill, in short, upon all the higher and godlike qualities of our nature. For we are required by our holy re- religion to be one in our faith, feelings, and sentiments pertaining to things of time and eternity and in our all our earthly pursuits and works to keep in view the building up of the kingdom of God in the last days. Our work is to bring forth Zion, and produce the kingdom of God in its perfection and beauty upon the earth. The impulses of our different nations present an almost endless variety of pursuit, manner, and expression. Yet all this, under a wise and judicious direction, will accomplish the great end of our existence and calling as ministers of the Most High. Journal of Discourses, Volume 9, page 292 and 293. Can any man tell you the variety of the spirit that are? No, he cannot even tell the variety that there is in the portion of his dominion in which God has placed us on this earth upon which we live. For we can see an endless variety in this little spot, which is nothing but a garden spot in comparison to the rest of the kingdoms of God. Again, you may observe the people and you will see an endless variety of disposition, an endless variety of uh, physiognomy. I don't know what that word means. Let me look look it up real quick. look up well that's not right let me pause it and then i will look it up real quick okay so this is an interesting word I actually had to get on the internet to look it up um, so it's a noun or a plural noun and it's a person's facial features or expressions especially when regarded as indicative of a character or ethnic origin and it's interesting it shows that this word has almost died out or almost died out in the 1950s, but was in great use during the 1820s to 1850s. So, interesting word. Bring the millions of faces before you, and where can you find two faces precisely alike in every point? Where can you find two humans human beings precisely alike in the organization of their bodies with the spirits there where can you point out two precisely alike in every particular in their temper temperaments and dispositions where can you find two who are so operated upon precisely alike by a superior power that their lives their actions, their feelings, and all pertaining to human life are alike. I conclude that there, is, that there is as great a variety in the spiritual as there is in the temporal world. And I think that I am just in my conclusion. You will see people possessed of different spirits, but I will say to you, what I have here too frequently said that what Brother Joseph Smith has said and what this scripture teaches, your spirits, when they came to, the, to to take tabernacles, were pure and holy and prepared to receive knowledge, wisdom and instruction, and to be taught while in the in the flesh so that every son and daughter of Adam, if they would apply their mind to wisdom and magnify their callings and improve upon every grace and means given them, would have tickets for the boxes to use Brother Hyde's figure instead of going into the pit. There is no spirit but what was pure and holy when it came here from the celestial world there is no spirit among the human family that that was begotten in hell none that were begotten by angels or by any inferior being they were not produced by any being less than our than our father in heaven he is the father of our spirits And if we could know, understand, and do His will, every soul would be prepared to return back into His presence. And when they get there, they would see that they had formerly lived there for ages, that they had previously been acquainted with every nook and corner and with the palaces, walks, and gardens, and they would embrace their father, and he would embrace them and say, my son, my daughter, I have you again. And the children would say, oh, my father, my father, I am here again. These are the facts in the case, and there are none ticketed for the pit unless they are filled up, unless they fill up that ticket themselves through their own misconduct are all alike are all spirits endowed alike no not by any means will all be equal in the celestial kingdom by no means some spirits are more noble than others some are capable of receiving more than others there is the same variety in the spirit world that that you behold here Yet they are of the same parentage of one father, one God, to say nothing of who he is. They are all of one parentage, though there is a difference in their capacities and nobility. And each one will be called to fill the station for which he is organized, which he can fill we are placed on this earth to prove whether whether we are worthy to go into the celestial world, the terrestrial or the telestial, or to hell, or to any other kingdom or place. And we have enough of life given, given us to do this. Journal of Discourses, Volume 4. Page 268 and 269. Those who come here find a pretty good people, but in their estimation we should be just as holy as angels. And by the way, holy means um, set apart or set aside to be such. In the Hebrew, it's uh, kadosh. The word is kadosh. It It means to be set apart. That's all it means. So, um, Jesus Christ was a holy or a kadosh spirit before he was born. He was set apart. The Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit is set apart for certain roles. The Holy Father, who is Adam, he was set apart to be the father. We, as saints, are set apart to be different from the world, to be followers of God and the principles that He professes, that He teaches us. And we're not supposed to be like the world, we're supposed to be set apart. Um, when we, as set apart people who are the bride of Christ, go chasing after Babylon we become the whore of Babylon because we as married wives go after a somebody who's not our husband we're supposed to be set apart like a wife my wife is set apart for my companionship And I am set apart for her companionship. And if my wife were to go behind my back and to go off with another man to do the the things that a husband and wife do, to live and to, to whatever it is, that she would become the whore of that man. We, as children of the light, are supposed to be the bride of Christ, and we are supposed to be set apart unto him. And when we go chasing after the things of this world, especially the things of Babylon the Great, we become the whore of Babylon the Great. So when Bruce R. McConkie talked about the Catholic Church, being the whore spoken of in the scriptures it's because they mingled the things of the world with the things of God and they became the great whore spoken of in the scriptures and those those churches who broke off from them those are the harlots because they come from the whore those are the bastards. They were not—they um, were not set apart by God or His prophets. And in order for there to be—in um, order for there to be a cleansing for the people who follow the whore and the harlots, there must be a baptism of water and of fire by one having authority from God. That's why there had to be a restoration, a restoration of power of God, a restoration of the priesthood, a restoration of the truth. And as part of the restoration of the baptism, there is a setting apart so that we can be the bride of Christ. Those who come here find a pretty good people but in their in their estimation we should be just as holy as angels we are pretty good and we are trying to do to be better trying to devote ourselves more and more to the building up of the kingdom of god trying to overcome our passions subdue our tempers within us Trying to sanctify ourselves, our children, our friends, our families, and seeking to become saints indeed. The people are pretty good. And if they were gathered together so that we could see the difference between those who have been here for years and those who have just come, you would understand the comparison Brother Kimball used to make of the clay that is thrown into the mill and has been grinding for years and prepared to make vessels of honor of. But But in comes a batch of new clay and you must grind again. And when it is taken out of the mill, it is cut to pieces to see if there is anything in it that should not be. The impurities that are in the clay may destroy the vessel you will therefore gather all of all out that should not be in it and throw it away so like when you're making a clay pot if if the clay is is not completely pliable or if you have a piece of hard a hard piece in the clay um, you can mold it up all you want, and then when you bake it to harden it up, that that piece in there, that one little impurity, will break the, cl- uh, the clay in the kiln. That's what he's talking about. You will therefore gather all out that should not be in it, and throw it away. So it is with the saints. Keep let- leaving and some keep leaving and this renders the clay pure and pure journal of discourses volume 13 pages 90 and 91. i had this dream which i will now relate i thought i had started and gone past the hot springs which is about four miles north of the city i was going after my goats When I had gone around the point of the mountain by the hot springs and had got about half a mile on the rise of ground beyond the springs, whom should I meet but Brother Joseph Smith? He had a wagon with no bed on, with bottom boards and tents camping equipment piled on. Somebody sat on the wagon driving the team. Behind the team was a great flock of sheep. I heard their bleating. I saw some goats among them. I looked at them and and uh, thought, "This is curious." Brother Joseph has been up to Captain Brown's and got my goats. Where were? There were men driving the sheep, and some of the sheep, I should think, they're three and a half feet, with large, fine, beautiful, white fleeces, and they look so lovely and pure. Others were of moderate size and pure and white, and in fact, there were sheep of all sizes and fleeces clean, pure, and white. Then I saw some that were dark and spotted of all colors and sizes and kinds, and their fleeces were dirty, and they looked inferior. Some of these were pretty, a pretty good size, but not as large as some of the large, fine, clean sheep. And altogether, there was a multitude of them, of all kinds of stuff and sizes of goats of all colors, sizes, and kinds mixed among them. Joseph stopped the wagon, and the sheep kept rushing up until there was an immense herd. I looked in Joseph's eye and laughed, just as I had many times when he was alive, about some trifling thing or other, and I said, Joseph, You have got the darndest flock of sheep I ever saw in my life. What are you going to do with them? What on earth are they for? Joseph looked cunningly out of his eyes, just as he used to do at times, and he said, They are all good in their places. When I awoke in the morning, I did not find any fault with those who wanted to go on to California. I said if they want to go, let them go, and we will do all we can to save them. I have no more fault. I have no more fault to find. The sheep and the goats will run together, but Joseph says they are all good in their places. Journal of Discourses Volume eighteen, page two hundred and forty-four and 245 So that's the conclusion Of this chapter When we come back for another chapter We'll be on chapter 25 Of the book Eternal Lives And we'll be reading about the Universal salvation So thank you for listening Everyone Take care God bless And goodbye